Good morning and welcome to the Marcus Today members exclusive podcast. My name is Henry Jennings. It is Monday, the 3rd of July. Happy new financial year. And as with all our podcasts, they are general advice only. So please do your own research, contact your own financial advisor regarding any of the thoughts, ideas or insights in this podcast. All right, well, we've kicked the new year off. I was going to say in fine fashion, but we have wimped a little bit as I'm recording this and we have seen the index. We're up only six points or 0.1 of a percent. Still better than nothing, although we have had a high today of 7,221, currently around 7,209, so about 11 or 12 points off our high at the moment, but not really getting going this morning. A little bit of tentativeness ahead of the RBA, of course, which comes out tomorrow. Consensus very much in the pause or the hold camp, perhaps with a little bit of a um, hawkish tilt to the rhetoric, but very much hold now being seen as the most likely outcome tomorrow of the RBA moves. This week, of course, we have got a little bit of a shortened week for the US. The US market tonight has a short session, followed by a holiday for July the 4th on Tuesday for their session. But last week, certainly finishing the week off in style, the year so far off in style for the US market. Our market, the ASX 200 for the financial year, was up 9.7%. So for all the gnashing of teeth, for all the recession talk, for all the inflation talk and interest rate talk, we still managed a pretty respectable 9.7% for the year, the financial year, that is. So that is certainly not a bad performance. Admittedly, some of that performance was due to the fact that the last June we had a pretty big market meltdown. So the bounce back in July, August into reporting season did certainly help the market. Uh, And you would be forgiven for thinking that the last six months we have gone sideways because to some extent we have gone sideways, certainly not emulating the US market. The NASDAQ is actually up around 31% for the last six months or the first half of the year in the US. So we certainly have been stuck in the slow lane, but then of course, They have artificial intelligence and the big boom there for NVIDIA, Microsoft, etc. that we, of course, don't have. As far as our market goes this morning, though, we have seen a little bit of corporate news out uh, in the Harry Kane portfolio. One of the stocks there, United Malt Group, uh, has agreed and signed on the dotted line for a bid by the French group Maltese Soufflé for five bucks in cash. The stock is up uh, nearly 9% on the back of that. Still $4.80, so still 20-odd cents in that one. But, of course, it will take some time to come to fruition. Also seen today some interesting news from Telstra. Not that it's moved the price much at all, but they are joining up with Starlink, which is the Elon Musk satellite internet service that he provides for rural and regional Australia. Uh, And Telstra will be partnering and offering those products from the end of this year, up uh, half a point today, or 0.12 of a percent. So nothing very exciting as far as uh, Telstra goes, but certainly uh, it's going to be interesting to see how they market and price that offering as well as we go forward. A couple of movers and shakers in the lithium space today. Some good uh, moves, actually, in some of the lithium stocks. Leo Lithium up around 4%. We've even got uh, Core Lithium up 4.4%. And Pilbara announced this morning 
that they are still uh, very interested in the Calyx technology, uh, which they have been doing a pilot plant uh, on. Uh, Calyx up a modest two cents, so nothing very exciting there. But Pilbara uh, far better today, up uh, 3.4% there. It is really a tale today of uh, resources and lithium doing relatively well. Banks not doing much at all. We are seeing a little bit of a sell-off in the tech space as well, uh, both Wise Tech and Zero under a little bit of pressure uh, in that space, and the REITs under a bit of pressure as well, uh, maybe due to the 10-year yield uh, now just above 4%, 4.01%. Interesting article today as well for those people following the uh, one-stock portfolio in terms of Macquarie. Uh, now Macquarie are in uh, a little bit of... Um, somewhat warm water, I wouldn't say hot water in the UK, over their ownership and the structure, I guess, of the ownership they had of Thames Water. Now, Macquarie sold out of Thames Water some time ago, but uh, they are an investor in a different water company in the UK. And of course, they do have some significant infrastructure interests in the UK. But if you haven't been following the story, Thames Water are in a heap of pain at the moment due to the massive amounts of debt they have, not only the amount of debt, but also the way the debt has been structured in terms of inflation-linked payments. Uh, that is really hurting them, and there's some sense that the government may have to bail them out, if you pardon the pun, and nationalise the company. Now, Macquarie did own that uh, business up till around 2017, I believe, uh, but certainly uh, there's no suggestion that it's all Macquarie's fault, but certainly the ownership structure that was put in place uh, has led to some of these issues. Uh, Macquarie argues, and rightfully so, I guess, that they did invest $1.4 billion in the company and it had been uh, underfunded for a long time. So there's certainly some positives there, but just may uh, affect the way infrastructure assets are managed and sold off in the UK. So just a slight negative there for Macquarie at the moment. Down 0.2 of a percent uh, today. Nothing very substantial, but certainly it is something to keep in mind, uh, very much to keep in mind at the moment, as uh, that could spread. It has been rippling out, if you like, uh, from the crisis that has engulfed Thames Water uh, in UK. Macquarie's called the Vampire Kangaroo, and certainly does bear some of the responsibility not huge amounts, but some of the responsibility for that uh, Thames Water issue. They did own it for 11 years uh, until 2017. So it could, as I say, have some implications going forward for their ability for uh, doing infrastructure deals in the UK. In other news today as well, we've had uh, Zero founder Rod Drury uh, is leaving the board Uh, He will leave the board as a non-executive director 17 years after he founded and built the company. Uh, Zero also said non-executive director Lee Hatton would leave the board. And, uh, of course, Zero has been one of the big winners in the market over the last, not only the last year, but also the last five years, up 164-odd percent. Uh, Today, we're just seeing a little bit of profit-taking in those Zero shares, uh, down around 2.1%. Uh, as I'm recording this podcast. As far as my stuff goes today, and Henry's take, just a little look at the Atlantic Lithium A11, which did have its DFS on Friday. 
uh, doing a presentation today, but certainly the DFS released on Friday was greeted by some selling, and that selling has continued today. Uh, Macquarie has a research piece out on it, and uh, that has just been slightly uh, downgraded in terms of their price target to around 70 cents. Part of the problem with Atlantic is it's a number of small deposits uh, spread over the uh, total area of their project. And uh, as a result, the resource itself comes in at around uh, 35.3 million tonnes for the mineral resource estimate, at 1.25% lithium. And uh, as a result, um, that is probably a little bit uh, on the small side at the moment. It does have close proximity to infrastructure and modest capex costs of about 185 million, but still. Uh, when we look at those valuations that we had last week in terms of uh, dollars per tonne, uh, which highlighted the relative attractiveness of, say, uh, Leo Lithium and also Latin Resources. Leo Lithium doing well today up 5%, and Latin Resources uh, just uh, consolidating its recent gain up a mere 2.3%. But it did highlight good value for money there. I'm not so sure about A11. Also today, um, some of you may have listened to the On the Couch podcast I did with Adam Dawes last week. Hopefully you did. Adam talks about a number of stocks and a number of stocks that he hopes will do well over the next financial year. But one of the stocks he did talk about was a small company and not one that I'd come across before, IPD Group, stock code IPG, which is a... um, it is a national um, distributor to the electrical market. Now, Adam was talking about the attraction of IPG in terms of uh, electric vehicle charging and the infrastructure required to electrify uh, the economy. certainly does have its attractions. It is not the most liquid of stocks. They have just upgraded their earnings guidance uh, to, uh, to reflect the fact that things are going pretty well. EBITDA now... Uh, They're expecting between 27.1 to 27.6, EBIT 22.9 to 23.4. does yield around uh, 2.83%, and uh, they do have a 50% payout ratio, uh, zero debt, and they also have cash as well. 17.9 times uh, FY24 on a PE basis, and 9.7 times FY24 on an EV to EBITDA basis. Uh, they've also been heavily involved in strategic acquisitions. Shore and Partners has a price target of $4.50 on the stock, which is pretty close to where they are at the moment, to be honest. Uh, they're $4.31. Volume and liquidity is a bit of an issue with this one, as management board and the staff do have around uh, 39% all wrapped up. And the, uh, the biggest shareholder, Mohammed Yusuf, uh, owns 13% with Jeff Bacon, next up 5.9%. So uh, do bear that in mind, but it certainly looks like a, a quietly uh, grinding sort of story higher on the back of this theme of electrification and certainly a less risky, I suspect, way of playing the electrification business. Looks as if it's going pretty well at the moment for um, IPD, IPG is the stock code there. In my stuff today, the usual US um, check-ins in terms of the fear and greed indicators. Obviously, uh, equities at the moment, we're into extreme greed territory, reading of 80 out of 100. In crypto, we're just nudging into the greed territory there. And of course, US uh, this week is going to be dominated by this holiday, July the 4th. 
but also on Friday we do get the jobs numbers out. So that will be the major focus for the US once they come back from their holiday. Also, and an interesting aside, Janet Yellen is heading to China this week. Uh, hopefully this will mend some ties with the US. Uh, US futures, of course, do trade on a Sunday night, although uh, given that it is a holiday, there's not an awful lot going on, but they are currently Dow futures down around 19 and NASDAQ futures down around four points. But hopefully the Janet Yellen move will be a little bit more oil on troubled waters and hopefully calming things down a little bit. So that, that will probably be good for the market. But all eyes as far as Australia goes on the RBA tomorrow, that will be our focal point. And certainly if we do see the RBA on hold, uh, that could drive us a little bit higher this week. Just a little bit of housekeeping. hope you're enjoying the changes we've made to the homepage on the website. Certainly helping us, I think, once we get all the, uh, the bugs and the problems sorted out, which there were a few on Friday, so I apologise for that. Uh, but certainly I think it's a vast improvement on what our homepage looked like previously. Also, this week on Friday, I'll be doing another Ask the Analyst session, 5.30 Friday uh, on Sydney time. And uh, we'll be doing a uh, Ask the Analyst, your chance to ask me anything you like on any stock you like, any theme you like, any part of the market that you're confused about. I will try and uh, answer it uh, live online. If um, I can't answer it live, certainly we'll take it on board and we'll answer it offline and get you an answer uh, for that. So looking forward to that Ask the Analyst on Friday. That's about it from me. Thanks very much for listening. Marcus, of course, will be back again tomorrow. Uh, with all the goodies and until then enjoy the day and may the trading gods be with you